Welcome to the Geek Key Podcast, where Viking spiders are the name of the game this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Flip, 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 Was the Ur the spiders? No, that was the no, Vikings. No, the Ur's the Viking. I got it. Okay, I'm there. <laughs> it's too early. Bad We're intro. recording earlier than normal, and this is what I get. Um, Okay, we want to talk about Miles Morales and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, because this is kind of like the two games that you and I have been playing most on PS5. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... I. I have beaten Miles Morales. I have not beaten Assassin's Creed Valhalla because that game is super long. And I know you've played a bunch of Miles Morales. So I might actually yeah, kick us off. Yeah, we haven't beaten it yet. but Yeah, I might kick us off with Assassin's Creed because I feel like it's more um, impressions from me instead of like a full-on review just because that game is so long. And I, I think the main thing is like I like it so far, but I feel like I don't have a full measure of the game yet, which is weird really? because... I've probably put the same amount of hours, if not more hours, into Assassin's Creed as I did with Miles Morales. And with the Miles game, I beat that. I 100%ed the map. And in Assassin's Creed, I feel like I'm finally just getting started, which is really that's, weird. That's that's kind of Assassin's Creed's thing, though. Like, especially lately, like, you really didn't even get into Odyssey until you got into the DLC. Like, you liked the first part of it, I remember, but you were kind of eh about it. And then when you got to the Atlantis DLC, that was really when you dug in. I wonder if that's going to be the same with this one, where it's going to be a really long slow burn. Yeah, and I'm starting to suspect that that's the case because I like the beginning, but I don't love it, right? I'm not instantly in love right. with it. It's the only thing I can think of. I keep clearing free time to do it. Like, that's not it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the game that I'm kind of sitting down with whenever I have free time. And mm. I'm I'm playing it, but I have no problem setting it down and doing other things, too. Like, it's definitely a slower burn for me. Um, and this is one of the reasons I want to talk about these two games together, because Miles Morales, I started that game, and it was, like, literally the only thing I did with every second of free time until I beat it, because I loved it so much. Um so Assassin's Creed, anyway, this one, if you guys haven't heard much about Valhalla, it's it's all about Vikings. It's about um, you start out in Norway is kind of like the starter zone, and then you go over to England, and most of the game takes place in England. And it also touches mm. on some of the like trippy um, metaphysical stuff that goes on with Assassin's Creed. So you have like visits and visions with the Norse gods, which is kind of interesting. I still don't know what's going right. on there, but it has potential for sure. And in general, the graphics are really good. It runs really well on PS5. Um, the main thing that I noticed in this one compared to other Assassin's Creed games is that the draw distance is just amazing because of the power of the PS5. Like, I feel like I can see forever and that's so cool. Now, with this one, like the draw, uh, the, the draw distance is something I've noticed both in Miles and I've played a lot of Neverwinter, uh, the PS4 MMO on it. And part of the graphics on both of those is just the insane draw distance that I didn't realize how much that that mattered. But with this one, I, I can't remember, is the Assassin's Creed Valhalla made for PS5 or is it a PS4 game that is running on the PS5? It is out on kind of everything. So they've optimized it for whatever system it's on, but it's on okay. PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PS5, and PC. Like, it came out on everything on the same day. So Okay, so they did do an individual release for PS5. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I actually have the PS5 version of the game, and it shows. Like, it looks good, and the draw distance is just crazy, especially when you go up to, like, the sync points in Assassin's Creed, where you can see yeah. really far. Um, that's that's where you notice it the most but the thing about valhalla that i noticed right away is that it does the thing that 
Odyssey did, where you basically have a starting zone that lasts for a really long time before you hit that actual like title card to the game, and then the game finally starts to open up. And mm. I I heard from people, and I'm glad I read this first, that it's better to get out of Norway and get to England and actually start to experience the game. So what I did was I mainlined the story just to get out of that starting zone of Norway. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that like not all the systems are there. The game hasn't really shown itself yet. Um, so even mainlining it, it took me four hours to get out of that starter zone and to see the actual <laughs> title card to the game. But the thing is, this was me purposefully focusing on getting out of the starting zone. If you did not do that, if I played this game the way that I normally play Assassin's Creed games and just kind of explored and kind of picked away at the story and got around to it, that starting zone probably would have been 10 to 15 hours for me before I saw the starting card and before I started opening up all the rest of the systems that don't even exist until you get to England in the main part of the game. So I think that would frustrate me. It like I'm, it I'm the kind of person who whenever I play a game and the intro zone is too long, I get bored because I can tell that it's an intro zone. Like even yesterday, as we're recording this, the World of Warcraft Shadowlands expansion launched at 5 p.m. yesterday. So it's been maybe 13 hours since it came out. Well, I can't do math. It's more like uh, 16. But it like the intro zone for it is maybe an hour if you push it. It could be done in way less. And even that, I was like, I just want to get to the main part of the game. It's like, I know that I have to get out of this area. I want to play more instead of being railroaded. And so a 15-hour intro zone would drive me insane, feeling like I was being held back. Yeah, and I think it would be like 15 hours if you really tried to explore everything. I think most people would experience Norway as like 10 hours, but still, 10 hours is the length of a lot of other games out there, right? And to go that long before you actually see the title card, before you actually start seeing all of the interesting systems, um, that's why I wanted to call that out right away. Because if you are playing this game, um, like even even me, my like four hours in Norway, I was like, uh it's kind of wearing a little thin like where's the rest of it you know like i started Mm. to feel that intro zone like friction and i would just recommend if you are playing this game get out of norway as fast as possible you can always go back to it um it's just more fun when you get to england because the story opens up the base building opens up um the raiding mechanic opens up and then all of these side activities that just don't exist in norway start to appear and you build them out organically and like that's the coolest part of the game that i've had so far is the base building and everything that comes from the base building so once you get to england you basically establish this like viking colony and you build your base up organically and so you actually have this home zone that you keep returning to over and over again which is something that never has really existed in assassin's creed but it makes for these great story opportunities and it makes you really care about characters because you keep coming back to the same group of characters and you encounter them over and over as you're building up your base as you're leveling up their homes and you get to know them so it just gives all these story opportunities because of those encounters over time right it feels like you're developing these relationships in a way that is hard to do if you don't have continual encounters with the same characters Does this game, like with those same characters coming in like that, like with them really fleshing out that part of the game, does it have the modern setting that a lot of the others, well, that all of the others, as far as I know, do? Does it have that kind of parallel narrative that's bookending it? Or do you really just, is this one where you're just in Valhalla? Well, not Valhalla, but Norway and England and all that. 
It does have real world stuff, but so far it's been about 15 minutes out of my, mm. you know, I'm probably 15 or 20 hours into this game and it's been yeah. 15 minutes and it's not even at the beginning. It was after the title card. So again, if you haven't even gotten out of Norway, you would never know that like the modern day stuff even exists just because of the yeah. structure of the game. Um, yeah, that was one of the things I was curious about too, is where it came up because the way that you were describing Norway, it didn't even seem like you were, were being put there. Like there was a reason it was just you were there and so i didn't i actually was thinking i was like maybe there's not a modern part this time but if it comes after the title card after the intro zone that makes more sense yeah yeah it does and so we'll see what they do with that i haven't seen enough of it to really weigh in on that part of it but i do like once you get to england once you establish your base and you get to start building up your base all of these side activities open up and it's really cool like raiding is an interesting mechanic and it's on, it's one of the only ones they basically force you into doing because as a viking you have to go raid to get the supplies you need to build up your base um that being said raiding is actually pretty fun so that's okay um but it's going loud right whereas in past assassin's creed games before they got to this rpg way of being i used to do a lot of the stealth stuff and i love that um Mm -hmm. valhalla just as much as the last two pushes you into just going loud and just charging in and you know making it a melee combat game or you know ranged combat game if you want to do archery and that's okay um but i i like seeing these other side activities open up and it's kind of organic because like you'll build a fishery and then they'll let you know like here's how to fish and here's an entire new mini game and subset of the game or hunting right you'll open up the hunting lodge and then they'll give you like hunting quests and hunting stuff i know there's a mystic hut or something coming up that i haven't even unlocked yet but um there's a whole storyline with that and so that part i like a lot i like the base building and then the other thing that i really like once you get to england is that the main story starts to feel episodic in a really good way um what you do is it gives you the map and it only gives you like the next couple regions out and you're basically building out from your main base to the rest of the map and so it gives you the next couple of regions around you and you're trying to go and make alliances with the people in the regions near you because you're trying to establish a home right so you want what you want to ally with your neighbors and you essentially are able to pick from a couple of them near you but you pledge to one of them and you're like i'm gonna go try to establish an alliance with this territory and then that kicks off it almost feels like a mini season of tv worth of content where Hmm. you go you learn what's going on in that territory maybe you meet the leaders maybe you see what's going on with them and it's like multiple missions in a row that all build on each other that all take place in that territory and it comes to some kind of epic conclusion and the goal is that you're going to get an ally at the end of it um but i like that because it's self-contained but also building on itself over time as you expand out further and further so it's a really cool balance and i like what they've done i just i hate that they buried it behind such a long intro zone yeah that just sounds like the most frustrating thing is waiting for four hours to get to the stuff that's actually fun about the game yeah and then you know there's a couple other things worth mentioning like assassinations do feel better in this than the last two games i know that was one of my biggest complaints yeah, they're, they're there. I need to go down that skill tree even further because I want to make them even more powerful and better and see how much I can get into stealth mode and actually have it work in this game. Um, For sure. But the skill tree is pretty fun, too, as far as, like, progression goes. It reminds me kind of of a very long-branching 
skill tree in all sorts of directions, like kind of like Final Fantasy X, uh, you know, sphere grid style. And that's okay. It, it works. I think so. Um, and then the other thing is, instead of having, you know, when you would go in other Assassin's Creed games and get like a sync point and you would just unlock a huge portion of the map, suddenly yeah. it would just be full of icons. And it's that typical Ubisoft map game. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yep, I do. So it does that, but it doesn't give you the actual icons. It gives you a colored dot that stays Hmm. very ambiguous until you get close to it. So it's interesting because you can't just go, oh, I'm going to go and get all of the Roman artifacts in here. You'll have like a set of mysteries and they're like slightly blue colored dots. Or you'll have like... um, there's like some kind of items or artifact or something. There's another category that's white dots. And then there's one that's wealth that is gold dots. And you don't actually know what the precise thing is until you get within like a hundred, whatever their unit of measurement is of it. And I think that works really well because you can't just go like, Oh, I'm going to cherry pick these like two or three things that I want. You actually have to go out and explore the world and kind of encounter it before you know what it is. While I like the idea of that because of, you know, like you said, you get to explore. It kind of makes you do what the game is set up to do. Uh, a lot of games have moved past colored dots and put icons in because of accessibility and colorblindness. Uh, that I know a lot of games I play have a colorblind mode where it has specifically put in labels and icons to do away with simple color coding. And so it's interesting to me to see how they've gone to that instead of a way where that could make the game a lot more frustrating for a lot of people. Well, there is a colorblind mode that I saw. So it, you okay. know, there's options in there. It's more about the experience of not instantly knowing everything that there is to do. You actually have to go out and get close to it to find out what the specific activity is. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to know that it's there, like the colorblind mode is there, because I could totally see uh, I have had a lot of friends growing up and in college who were colorblind and were really frustrated at things like that. So it's it's always on my mind, even though I never experienced it, where it just like my friend Wesley growing up discovered he was colorblind because he couldn't play paper or uh, couldn't play Dr. Mario because he was like, why do all of these pills just fall on each other? And why do some of them work? And his parents were like. Oh, Wesley, we, you have, oh my, we have to figure this out. And, uh, because it was just white and gray pills dropping. And so I've seen people, uh, him and other people express concern and frustration on like gold and money in games and just different kinds of things like these dots. So I've never experienced it, but I, when I see colorblind inclusion like that, I'm like, oh yeah, good. So-and-so can play this game now without yeah. uh, wanting to, uh, literally poke their eyes out (laughs) no i I like that they have um accessibility options it's more about the experience of not being able to know at like instantly absolutely every activity on the map you actually have to go close to it and then you discover it um so it's just a new a a new way of approaching it for assassin's creed so far i like it i could see myself getting frustrated with this once i get 30 40 hours into the game but for the moment i'm liking it um and then the other thing is just from a high level kind of where i'm landing and again this is probably 20 hours into the game it's like i like it but in general it feels like just another forward iteration of the last two games it doesn't feel like anything revolutionary it doesn't feel like it really took a step back to like the assassin the uh, action type of assassin's creed games that i loved so much um it's just it's a really solid good viking rpg and 
I'm not sure about how it is as an Assassin's Creed game, but as a Viking RPG, it's fantastic. Like, if you want to go and play a Viking RPG, you should go play Assassin's Creed Valhalla because it's great for that. You know, just like I said, if you wanted to go play, like, an ancient Greek RPG, like, go play Odyssey. Or if you want to play uh, in ancient Egypt, you can go play Origins. Like, they all have been very good action RPGs in the setting that they're in. I just... Uh, they're very slow burns for me so that's kind of yeah. it's kind of where i'm landing i don't want to sound too negative because i'm not negative on it i am playing it i am having fun with it um it's just not like absolutely wowing me and blowing me away right away i get that i didn't expect it to honestly the way that you felt about uh, origins and odyssey so far that i expected this one to be pretty much the exact same thing that especially when you didn't dig in immediately like that was when I knew that you were you were not I don't want to say that you're tired of the Assassin's Creed games because that is absolutely not it because you've gone back and replayed so many of them recently. But it's uh, almost like a, a cautious approach to them where you don't let yourself get too excited for them. And that's how I feel like you've approached this one. It's like you dug into Miles and just really, really enjoyed it. And this one, you are holding yourself back to try to find the fun that if you don't, it feels like uh, you won't enjoy this game, but there's a way for you to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm trying to set my expectations correctly for it, I think yeah. is what you're saying. And I, I completely agree. Yeah, pretty agree. much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk about Miles Morales, but let's take a quick mid-break where we talk about the fact that we're part of a network we have podcasts we have streamers we have the geekery blog all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you there's also a patreon for a digital magazine press start and what's the latest with that we are actually doubling up for a holiday issue on this one. Uh, we were doing a Thanksgiving issue before that was encompassing uh, just the holidays in general, but we decided that uh, in order to make it really, really special, uh, we wanted to do some extra stuff and uh, push it to probably the first or second week of December and do a double-sized issue uh, for uh, November and December both. So we're working on that. It's going to be great. I'm actually writing a uh, Christmas and holiday-themed D&D module for it uh that i'm working i'm hoping that comes uh comes together and we can play it and it'll be fun um i wanted to do something silly and different i've been feeling creative so that's what i wanted to do um but y'all can check it out and check out the back issues at patreon.com slash geek to geek cast and uh there are some previews up that kind of thing and let us know what you want to see from uh, the patreon and the magazine and that kind of thing and that brings us to miles morales which i've loved this game i had so much fun with this game but I want to hear your opinion first, because I, I know you've been playing it, but I haven't heard a ton from you about it. Well, Jennifer and I are actually playing this one together because I beat the first Spider-Man. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the first Spider-Man, I don't even know how to play it. The PS4 Spider-Man, when it was new, I played it and really, really enjoyed it. Um, Jennifer watched me play part of it and liked it and then went back and played the entire game herself uh, in a different save. And so this one, um, she's actually playing it more than I am. We're kind of playing it uh, off and on together, uh, going through the story. And I'm doing more of the side stuff, and she's doing more of the main the main missions. And we are really, really, really enjoying this game. It feels every bit like a sequel to Spider-Man than any kind of extended DLC. I know the game isn't crazy, uh, crazy long, but we're going to get easily 20 to 25 hours out of it. Uh, just going through the story and side missions. Uh, 
because we're not mainlining it. We're just messing around and having a good time because like the first one, I mean, I don't know if this was your experience, but you can just get distracted by all of the stuff to do and the way that the, the city and neighborhoods are put together. Like we may be going towards something. It's like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And it's like, Oh, I like that person. I wonder what's down here. And it's, uh, it's just super cool to explore and go around. Like I'm, I'm loving this game. Yeah, I really like it. Well, and like exploring and traversal, it's interesting because it's the same map from the Spider-Man game that came out two years ago, but they have like reskinned the whole thing to be for the holidays. So there's snow on the Mm -hmm. ground and it's just different enough to be okay that it's not exactly the same map. You know, Um, it has some flavor to it, even though you know that they based it off of that. So they didn't have to completely rebuild a new city. Um, I mean, and that's great. They live in the same city. I think that uh, even adding new zones or areas or something like that would be fine but it's still you know it feels new because of the different skin and the way that you have to get around it yeah and i like that like you said it feels like a sequel in a lot of ways um it you know miles as you're exploring he moves in his own way that's different Mm -hmm. from peter parker he has his own style and like the core traversal and combat, the way that you're actually interacting with it from like a controller perspective is very similar, which is good because your skills transfer over from the last game. But the way that it looks and feels on the screen is different because they've really gone out of their way to give Miles personality and to give his neighborhood more personality. And I like that yes. aspect a lot. Yes, like his his group of people is wonderful. Like, I adored in the original one, May and Mary Jane and, like, all of the stuff that they had going on with Harry and uh, Doc Ock and all this. But Miles feels like he is part of a loving family and all of these people are real people to him. Like, even at one point early on, he he turns on, like, Spider-Man gives him his uh, his better suit and everything, and uh, it has the radio on in it, and it opens up on uh, J. Jonah Jameson's podcast that Peter listens to all the time, and Miles can't stand it. That Miles like, why would you listen to this all the time? And switches it to this, like, really, like, I don't even know if it's part of the uh, the comics or anything, but I think it was Danica Kane or something like that. Like, just this... Happy, feel-good podcast about uh, making the most out of your day and uh, like just being joyful and mindful. And I'm like, this is what Miles listens to when he's just going around the city. He's like, I approve of that. Like, I like this. And uh, it, it's just little fun things like that that change it just enough to where it doesn't feel like a rehash at all. Yeah, and well, and it's just so nice to see a different set of characters with a different life than Peter Parker. Because mm-hmm. as much as I love Peter Parker and he's a great character, if you only do that, it's gonna feel stale. So the fact that they they brought Miles into this universe, you know, and he was in the last game, like they they were building towards this. Oh yeah, but they fleshed him out as a character, you know, his family life, his friends, and how his friends are part of his family essentially, and all of that, like. It's just a completely different social setting than what you got from Peter Parker in the last game. And I love that experience that it's different and it's a different viewpoint, but it's just it's good, right? Like more viewpoints are better. And it is and it feels so genuine. It does. Like That's one of yeah. the things that they did with this. Like none of it feels forced. Like sometimes in games like this, they try to force a family dynamic and they try to force uh, relationships that you never feel and that the voice actors or the writing or something comes across a little bit uh, stiff. 
And that's not how this one comes across at all. Like you can really feel that Miles and his mother love each other, that Miles cares about his friends just as much as his family. Uh, like you said, it's and his neighborhood, like, oh my goodness, the people, the way people react to him in the neighborhood when he pulls off a side quest is absolutely the best part of this game for me. Like this is a terrible year. Everybody, we, everybody knows that 2020 is a garbage year for a thousand different reasons, but we're playing this game and it's like, there was one, uh, uh, there was one side mission where I don't know if you remember it specifically, but he had to solve this, the like rescue all of these stolen supplies from like a barber shop and a bodega. Oh, and yeah. like, yeah, I remember the, that one. The, the people at the end of it, like there was nothing. It was just a side mission. Like it was just a regular old normal uh, go beat up the people, find the uh, the MacGuffin side mission. And, but he came back and the the barber was like, hey, you know, thank you for this. This this is our livelihood. We appreciate this. If you ever need a haircut, you just come in and uh, we'll figure out something with that mask. And uh, it's just like like these people feel like real that they feel like real characters interacting in a very natural way where I can hear somebody after doing something good for us. Like, you know, I know you're a superhero, but we'll figure out something so that you don't have to show your head. If you need a free haircut, it's just stuff like that, that makes this game feel good. And that's the kind of thing that we need right now. Like it's set on the holidays around happiness and helping people. And Jennifer and I've really realized that this game makes us feel better when we play it because it actually can make you uh, connect to these characters and feel like you're doing good in this world. Well, and there's two things that I did that they did that I think are super smart on top of what you already talked about, about the neighborhood and like actually fleshing out the neighborhood and the characters in the neighborhood, um, which is absolutely crucial to how this game feels. But mm -hmm. they gave two really like solid framing devices. One is that Miles is still learning, right? You pick up yes. with him where he's picked up the basics of spider powers, but he's still learning. And that's obvious from the first moment. And then the other thing they do is they give Miles an app that his friend develops for him. And I love it's, it. it. I love the app because you can go into it and you can see these requests from people and you can get reports of crimes. But it's basically a different way to do the side activities. But he opens up this app on the app store so that anybody can come in and just like ask for things and report things. And those two things, um, you know, him learning plus this like neighborhood app plus what they did with what you were talking about, about actually building out the neighborhood, the neighborhood characters. Um, it makes it feel like Miles is actually a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in a way that mm -hmm. Peter Parker never was in that first game. Because when we join Peter, he's already well past that. He's been Spider-Man for eight years. He's taking on supervillains, right? Miles is not there yet. And it means that you can actually connect at the neighborhood level in a way that you couldn't with Peter Parker. And that's kind of at the core of who Spider-Man is, like whether it's Miles or Peter or any of the the thousand of uh, Spider-Verse characters. The core is that they are a down to earth person who helps with any level of of distress rather than just supervillains or these cosmic uh, encounters. And I like that you get to play those. Like, this is honestly more fun than the giant cinematic uh, set piece battles. I would much rather go stealth and rescue this barber supply than have a shocker uh, fight like we did in the first one. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just so good. As much as I like those, like, huge um, climactic battles with supervillains, too. Oh, yeah, and they're fun. So I'm don't glad get me wrong, that, I like them. 
Well, yeah, and I'm glad that both of these characters exist in this world now because it would be weird to make the next Spider-Man game without having both Peter and Miles be playable at the very least, right? Yeah. Um, and the fact that you can flip back and forth between them, I think, opens up a ton of possibilities, which this game, you don't play Peter at all. You're just playing Miles. Um, but yeah, I... I like it. I like the framing devices. I like what they've done. I love the story. Like I said, I beat this game and I just I like couldn't put this game down until I had finished it. And then even when I did finish it, I went back and I 100 percented the map and it it was good. Like I, I can't express like I feel like I'm not going to cover everything we talked about when we talked about this first Spider-Man game that came out two years ago, because all of that is still here. But I just I really, really like this game. It, it also builds on the character of Miles that you play in the first Spider-Man, that you he, he's a gadget guy, that there's all of this stuff going on with him as being an incredibly smart, tech-savvy kid. And it's funny because he the characters and the villains take and try to take advantage of him being a kid. It's obvious that he's a kid. And he still wins. And it really feels like a win at that point of victory in that moment. And I just I think they did such a great, great job on this that I'm I'm almost sad that it is one of those extended DLC expansion one shot standalones uh, because it's it's so short. I would love to have more of this that uh, I'm definitely going to do what you did and go through and 100% the map at least. And there's a good chance I'll get the platinum trophy on this one like I'm wanting to do on the the original Spider-Man game just because it is it's a new game plus requirement and with Jennifer and me both playing this at the same time, I can get an all new playthrough of doing stuff I haven't done yet with the Spider-Cat outfit. So like yeah. there's not the- a downside to this. <laughs> No, the spider cat outfit is awesome. Well, we didn't even talk about the fact that he has like, even though the core moves are the same as Peter, he does have a different move set. Like Miles has. Yes, he, he does. Ca- he calls them venom powers, which I don't know why, but it's electricity powers. And he just has like this, this- is a spider. Spiders yeah. are electric. They have they have poison and venom. Yeah, but Venom. Yeah, I don't know why it's always called Venom, but that's what it is. Venom is the name of a different character in this universe, so that throws me off. But yeah, I mean, which I want so much. I want to see Venom in this so much. Just let me sidebar here, please, Sony. Let us have Venom in this. I'm begging you. I need to see it. I think we'll get it. Um, but yeah, I I think the next one for real. Yeah, Miles's electricity powers are cool, and they're really fun to play around with. And I could see them expanding on them even more in the next game. And the differentiation they've made is that Miles does not have as many gadgets as Peter. So, like, Peter Mm. is this, you know, he's like a very late 20s um, scientist who's, you know, he's kind of a professional in his field once you join him in the Spider-Man game. Um, So by the end of that game, you have tons and tons of gadgets that you can use and throw out there and deploy all at the same time. Miles only ever gets four gadgets, but he gets more and more Venom powers and more and more things he can do with his electricity um, as the game goes on. So that's kind of one of the core different differentiations they make but yeah he definitely it feels different than playing as peter parker but it's all in a good way and i love the venom powers like using the the venom punches and venom jumps like even when you're just swinging around the city is so much fun and they made one major change to traversal to web to web swinging that makes this game 10 times better for me 
because in the first Spider-Man game, in order to do acrobatic tricks as you as you swing around the city, you had to hold circle and triangle while you're swinging and then move the stick around, which is actually pretty awkward while you're trying to do everything else, like zip around with the X button and uh, uh, point jump uh, with X and, and shoot with R2 and L2 at the same time. It's this one, you hold square. That's all you have to do. You hold square and he automatically goes into acrobatics and it is 10 times easier to make him look like he has all of the extra style over Peter that he actually does. It is so much fun and you can make him completely crash into the ground with no grace while you're doing it. And that is also hilarious. Yeah, no, those make me laugh when you do that with him. Um, So yeah, I like all that to say that I beat this game. I 100%ed the map in this game. It took me probably 14 hours to get 100% on the map and it would probably be about eight hours if you literally just mainline the story all the way through um and you know if i wanted to go back for platinum i would have to replay through the game so i would think another six hours so yeah i mean if you're trying to completely platinum this entire game you're looking at maybe 20 hours of content 20 25 maybe on the outside um but it's a good game like i still completely feel like it was worth the money worth the time investment i like it a lot And I bought the Ultimate Edition of it where I can play the original Spider-Man game on the PS5 being updated and remastered where you told me, which is a wonderful, wonderful news, uh, which is wonderful, wonderful news to me that the saves and trophies carry over to the upgrade. So I'm going to be able to play the DLC and everything on the PS5 with all of the the wonderful uh, graphics upgrades. And like, I'm curious on like, this game is beautiful. Like, I don't even have a 4K TV yet. And this game is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And I know I had mentioned it last week, or actually we're recording out of order so much that whenever we talked about the the PS5 overall review, I know I mentioned the fidelity versus the the performance version of this, how you can actually see a big difference in the 60 frames per second versus the 30 with all the ray tracing and stuff. And so I can't wait to see the original Spider-Man game in this 60 frames per second mode. I don't even care about the ray tracing and stuff like that. As pretty as it is, it's I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this super high frame rate on the original game. Like, did you get that version of it to replay through any of that? Or are you done with it since you platinumed all of it? No, I was kind of done with that because I platinumed it and I beat all the DLC. And I don't know, maybe someday I'll go back and grab that enhanced edition. But I just didn't see any need to do it right now. Like, you know, if I do, it'll be on a whim randomly someday. Yeah, I mean, the main reason I did was solely because of it having, you know, carrying over the DLC and stuff that I haven't played. And since there's content on it that I haven't played, I would much rather, even though I own it on the PS4 and haven't played it yet, I would much rather do it on the PS5 with the updates. So I shelled out, I think, the extra 20 bucks for it. And I'm looking forward to getting into it, too, because I was always going to go back to the PS4 version. So I might as well go back to it on the next gen. Yeah, totally. No, that makes sense to me. Um, Cool. That's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network like blogs and video game reviews and our digital magazine, Press Start. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. 
And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Flip, flip, flip. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.